Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Ephesians chapter 1. Last week we saw in several accounts that, you know, in the last days, and how many of you believe we're in the last days? We're there. Amen. We're closer than ever before. And... Um, we, we saw there's not going to be a shortage of the word of God. There's not going to be a deficiency of the word. We saw actually there's going to be more of it. We, we have such an accumulation of the word of God today. I mean, I, you know, Pastor Chris just handed me another book to read. And, and we have this stuff available. Any, I mean, you got Amazon, two-day shipping, man, a drone will drop it off at your house. You can get this stuff anytime anywhere from anyone that the word is accessible today. Thank God. The enemy cannot stop the, the, the progression and the advancement of the word of God. And the word of God is vital because that's where the kingdom starts. Where the word of the king is, there is power. You know, if God doesn't speak anything, then there isn't any power. But the power is in the word. He doesn't actually have to perform it or fulfill it because his word contains the power to make it happen. If I receive the word, that's why that uh, Roman centurion said, just speak a word. You don't even have to come to my house. I'm not even worthy to have you under my roof. You don't have to come lay hands. I know you've done that for a, you know, a thousand other people and wonderful miracles happen. But I believe if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. The Bible says that he sent his word and healed them from all their diseases. The word contains the power. Amen. So it's no wonder the, see, th th this is the thing that the enemy, uh, you know, he's tricky and he devises plans and, and, and he has uh, an agenda to, to attack the word of God, but his plans and his attacks might not look like how we think they would look. The devil is not trying to get these Bibles all burned up so we don't have any access to it. It's not what he's trying to do. We see that the enemy has actually devised a different plan. The enemy has devised a different operation or a different scheme, if you will, to attacking God's word. And it's that that you would have so much of it that we would lose our love for it. It's that that we have it so accessible and so available that the thing that actually could benefit us could be the very thing that hurts us. Haven't we seen that in our culture today, that, that, we, that, that the enemy is twisting things that should benefit us, but they end up hurting us? That, that what, what God could design as a tool, the enemy could turn into a weapon? So we've got to be careful uh, that, that we, we understand the last days, we understand uh, our positions as believers, and, and we remain in a posture of value for God's word. So we saw last week that there, that there were two men. There was one that built a house on sand. There was one that built a house on rock. And the storms came to both of them. So the word of God, getting the word of God doesn't create a, a, a protection uh, where the storm won't come against me. It, it, it brings a protection in the storm that as the storm comes, I stand strong and everything remains. That's what the word does. But notice uh, uh, that we saw there in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 20, 27, if you want to write them down again, 
uh, uh, I don't have them up there to look at today, but you can write them down again. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 is the account of the two builders. And the interesting thing was both of the men were prefaced with, and they heard, both of them. They, were, they went to the same church. They might've even sat right next to each other on the same pew or chair. We don't have pews anymore. It's the chair. They were right there in the same service, hearing the word, receiving. And then we went over to Matthew chapter 13 and we saw a parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. It's interesting. They call it the parable of the sower because it's really the parable of the soil. It's really the, 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 the main factor. The seed remains the same and the sower remains the same. The one giving the word and the word that's being given is constant and consistent in all four examples. The thing that changes was the soil. One fell on stony ground and what? It, didn't, it, was, it wasn't even received. And then another one fell on ground, uh, and, but it didn't have enough roots. And so when the outside external forces came, it was uprooted. And then another one came and it began to take root, uh, but then it got choked out because other things grew in there. Because that seed allowed other things to remain around it that compromised the seed that was planted. But then one of them was planted on good soil, didn't have any external forces uh, uh, that... that um, we're choking it out and it took down, it grew good roots so that when the storms or the winds or the rains came, it remained in the soil and it what? It produced a harvest. All four times, all four examples were prefaced with when you hear the word. When you hear the word. Actually, uh, if we could go there, I don't, I don't have it loaded up there, Andre, but if you can throw up Matthew chapter 13, just, just, put in the whole chapter. But I, I do want to look at kind of where we left off because we started with the parable. We started at the end, but then we went backwards and we recognized something here in Matthew chapter 13. I want to start with verse 10 and uh, we'll go down probably through 17 here before he gets back into the parable. And this is kind of where we left off last week and then I want to take this into, a, uh, into another tangent that I think is going to help open this up a little bit. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. So in 13 verses 1 through 9, Jesus is actually giving the parable to the multitude. He's talking to a whole group of people. But then in verse 10, his disciples come to him and they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And notice not everybody asked him. Not everybody's that interested. You know, the, the, more, the, the more you invest determines the more you get back. The more you invest, the more you press, the more you ask, the more you learn, the more you seek, the more you find. The more you gain, the more you get back in return. You'll never receive beyond your level of investment. And that goes with the word. That goes over with the word. In fact, in Mark chapter four, you don't have to go there. Mark chapter four is, the, is Mark's account of this parable. And in verse, I believe it's verse 24, somewhere in there, um, Jesus makes this statement. He says, the same measure that you give in thought and study is the measure that you'll reap in results. I don't know about you, but I, I wanna get results from the word of God. 
Anybody else want to get results? Anybody just trying to do a religious, you know, formality and just, you know, I'm just trying to be as good of a person as I can? No, I don't know about you. I want what the Bible says is mine to be mine. And what the Bible says I can have, I can have. Isn't it when Joel Osteen has said, you know, pick up your Bibles. What this word says I have, I have. And what it says I can do, I can do. And what it says I'll be, I'll be. And, and, and so, you know, the word is a promise to us as believers. God's word contains, it's a treasure, the Bible says. It's a treasure. It should be treasured. It should be valued. It should be stored up, put away. It should be put in a place where nobody can get it. And I don't mean the physical word. I mean stored in your heart that I might not sin against thee, David said. The Bible is not just meant to be heard. It's meant to be hid. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to hide it. I want to hide God's word. I want to put it in a place that when I need it, it comes back up. You ever done that? Have you ever put, have you ever seen uh, the location of something, but then when you actually need it, you can't find it? That, that's probably one of the most irritating things to me. Oh, I know right where it's at. And I go to where I think, nope, it's not there. No, I want to be able to find it when I need it. I don't want to have to guess where's the word at. I want to know that it's in my heart, not just on the shelf. Not just on the shelf. Thank God that we can, we can receive the word from other sources and from other people that can build us up and encourage, but we've got to get the word for ourselves. And we're losing a generation with that. Parents, let me tell you, get your children in the word of God, memorizing the word of God, hiding the word in their hearts. We cannot lose a generation to this stuff. Because now it's even more accessible than it was for us, when it was on the shelf, now it's in my hand. Now it's in my back pocket. I can get the word, but that still does not replace getting it in my heart. So let's keep a value for the word of God with our children. Let's not lose a generation that says, well, it's, it's here on the screen. No, let's get it in our heart. And so here in, in, in Matthew chapter 10, his disciples are pressing, they're seeking. Why do you speak to them in parables? In verse 11, and he answered them, answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Such an interesting statement to make, such an interesting idea that Jesus, all-inclusive Jesus, all-accepting Jesus, came and died for everybody, loves every for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But yet Jesus makes a very exclusive statement. He actually excludes a group right here. He actually says something that, that, puts, that, that draws a line in the sand and says, you're over there and we're over here. Not, doesn't sound like the Jesus that, you know, we, we really talk about in church a lot, but, but Jesus is saying that there is a group, there is a people that will receive something from my words and from my teachings that others will not. That's an absolute truth. I mean, if two men can hear the word and one still builds a house on the sand, he didn't get something. He missed something. And actually, if you go back and define that, it says that there's a man that heard the word, but then there's a man that heard the word and did the word, applied the word, and he, he's the one that had the house that stood. And we'll talk about application of the word because our value of the word is not in hearing, but in doing. And it's not the word that you hear that changes your life. 
It's the word that you do. There's, there's people all over this country, all over the world that hear the word. But it's the doing that actually produces the results. And so he, he identifies there's an us and there's a them. And he answered them because it has been given to you to know the mysteries, the mysteries. So he's identifying here that there are mysteries of the kingdom of God. That it's not all laid out on the surface for anybody to just come by and, and, and pick it up. When we talked about our honor series, we talked about a treasure that's hidden in a field. And if you want the treasure, you got to get the field. You got to get all of it. That means there's work. That means there's digging. That means there's a pursuit. If the treasure is just laying on the surface, everybody would go after it. But it's those that are willing to put in the work and willing to pursue and willing to press that get the treasure. And so he says that there's mysteries. God is not hiding his word to keep it from you. He's hiding the word, the mysteries, to determine your value for it. Your search, the press, the learning, the seeking reveals how badly I want it. Reveals what I'm willing to do to get it. You know, it's amazing because we have, you know, an issue in our country right now where there are people that are pressing hard to get into this country and they'll fight tooth and nail. They'll, they'll lose loved ones. They'll, they, they will even, at the risk of losing their own life, press to get into the country that we take for granted and complain about. See, there are, there are people that will press to get this word while others will let it lay on the surface. And they'll remain surface with the word. And then they will ask questions like, why doesn't it work? Because we operate in a reactive society. We operate where we go to it after we're in the mess, when God wants us to arm ourselves before we get in the mess. So when the mess comes, we can get out. You know, we're, we, are, we are right now, um, I, I I don't listen to a lot of ministers, but I kind of keep my ear to the ground a little bit, the pulse of ministry and the pulse of church. And there's a really sad thing that's kind of creeping in and, and, and you, gotta, you gotta hear it for what it is. You gotta kind of read between the lines because on the surface, it sounds good. But it's almost like there, there, is, a, there is an excusing for not receiving results from the word. And that God, you know, God, God gets a bad rap sometimes. He's the one that, he gets blamed for stuff he has nothing to do with. And so does the devil. The devil gets blamed for stuff he has nothing to do with. But having a, God is, an, God is a results-oriented God. Can we, go, can we cover that base? God is not up in heaven saying, well, you know, just do with as you please. No, he's coming to take an account of what was given. The parable of the talents tells me that he gave to three different individuals, three different denominations, and, and it was up to them to use it, to work it, to trade it, to multiply it. So when that the master comes back, he didn't give instruction, uh, you know, uh, and, and give them the specifics of what they're supposed to do. It was in their heart to know this is what my master would do. And the master's coming back to take an account. And he did not excuse the lazy servant that just buried it in the ground. 
In fact, if you read that parable, that, that master sounds like a really harsh master. There's another parable where a, a master has a vineyard and there's a, a manager and owner of the vineyard that the master approaches and says, this tree has not produced anything for three years. Pluck it up out of the ground. It's taking up space. And the owner says, give me one more year. I'll fertilize it. I'll dig it. I'll, 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 I'll try to take care of it. And if it doesn't produce, then we can take it out. But give me one more year. But that master came in what? Wanting results. Because it's taking up ground. It's taking up space. And so we need to expect results from the word of God. We need to expect. But see, a lot of times we don't know the word deep enough to even have a proper expectation of what it can do. This is why we cannot allow men, man, to delude the word of God. The word of God can never be uh, uh, attached to experience. Never. Never. Our experiences are not greater than God's word. And at the end of the day, if I pray for someone and I lay hands on them and I'm believing for healing and they die, it's not the word that didn't work. It's not the word that didn't work. And I will still lay hands on the next person and expect healing in there. And I will apply faith to the word and, and I will even go back. I've had situations that have upset me. I've had situations that, that put me in a position to question the word and question God, but at the end of the day, I've always come to the conclusion, this works, period. So I don't buy into, well, God allows certain things or God does this or God does that because it's not in the word. And I can always create an ideology that dumbs God down to my level, but I have got to continue to raise myself up to his level. The Bible says that his ways are what? Greater than our ways higher than our ways. But it doesn't tell us that we shouldn't seek those things. But see, people have taken that verse, that, well, you know, the Lord's ways are higher than our ways. The Lord giveth and taketh away. And we use, he's in control. We use verses that are in the word against God. And I'm, we're gonna show you why. There's mysteries. We gotta dig a little deeper. Don't just buy it on the surface. Don't just hear what, what someone, search, search it out. Seek it out for yourself. What does the word of God say? I mean, there's just some things that, you know, uh, and, and usually the people that seek this out for knowledge are the most contentious people because they're only going off of information and information always makes you prideful. Information doesn't make you a blessing to anybody. Information makes you prideful. Revelation makes you a blessing. You want to be a blessing to someone with the word of God? And so instead of throwing the book in their face or finding something to argue about, get revelation from the Holy Spirit. Because information just puffs you up. That was the issue with the Pharisees. It was just information. It was just study. It was, and man, they knew it left and right, up and down, front and back. They, they knew the law. I mean, you know, even Paul, when he was Saul, he said... You know, I was the, the best Pharisee of them all. I mean, if you want to read my natural resume, but then he said, I don't boast in myself. Because my natural ability and my natural discernment of God's word has nothing compared to spiritual revelation. And he said that he had an opportunity where he was taken to a third heaven. He got to see stuff that most of us never see. 
because he went there. He went deeper. There is a depth to the word of God. And it's not knowing more information and gaining more knowledge. It's revelation of the word that I can read the same verse that I've read a thousand times and find something different in it. And not something that contends with the rest of the word. But it agrees. Yeah, that's the great thing about this Bible is from beginning to end, it only builds upon itself. It never, you've got 66 books, 40 plus authors. We don't even know the total number of authors. And not one time do they disagree. How on earth did you manage that one? We can't get two people to agree. It got 40 plus authors to never once disagree, but yet they only build on each other. That's incredible. That's, that's, that's the, the power of God's word. So go over to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. He says, there's an us and there's a them. There are those that are willing to seek the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Even Paul uses this, this talk. He, he, he talks of the mystery of the gospel. And no matter how much I study, no matter how much is revealed, there's always more to be revealed. You can never get to the end of the revelation of God's word. There's always more to grow and always more to learn. Ephesians chapter one, and let's look at verse 15. This is the prayer from Paul to the church at Ephesus. And in verse 15, it says, Therefore, I also, after what? After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. So that means that they received Jesus as Lord. That's what he's talking about. After you became a part of the kingdom of God. After you became a Christian. After you accepted this gospel. So when I heard that, and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul is praying for these churches, for these new believers. Now watch what his prayer is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give to you, watch this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There's the knowledge of me and there's the knowledge of him. I want the knowledge of him. He goes on, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but in also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul's prayer for the church is greater wisdom and revelation. What does that tell me? That tells me that when I come in, there's still more to learn. I wouldn't need wisdom and revelation. I wouldn't need uh, uh, the spirit uh, of wisdom and revelation. I wouldn't need the knowledge of him. I wouldn't need to comprehend these certain things if I gained it all when I became born again. But what he's saying is, is you've now entered 
But now you've got to progress. Now we've got to continue moving forward. And how do we do that? Not on our own. The first thing he does is he hands you over to the spirit of God and says, now you've got to submit yourself to the Holy Spirit so that he can reveal some things to you and show some things to you. And he's talking to people that don't even have the Bible we have. They don't even have, I mean, they're, they have the letter. But that's, this is to Ephesians. We get all of them. The Ephesians didn't get the letter to the Colossians and the Colossians didn't get the letter to the Thessalonians and Thessalonians didn't get the letter to the Romans. We get all of them. And with that, we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You go over to Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three. We're touching on something because because I, I want to see results in my life from the word of God and, and, and I want to continue to go deeper. And it begins with value and it begins with, with seeking, but now he's telling us that there are mysteries, there are things that we don't know that's not on the surface, it's not in black and white. We've got to go deeper with it. There are mysteries. In Ephesians chapter three, in verse 14, he says this, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, and that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit, where? In the inner man, that Christ may, be dwell, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That's a weird statement. To know something that passes knowledge. But what he's saying, he's saying to seek. To con- it, it surpasses our natural capacity. But when we get over into our spiritual ability to comprehend and understand, then God can reveal things that no man could ever know. To know uh, the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God doesn't want to leave us empty. God doesn't want us just halfway there. He wants us full, it says. And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. Both of these passages, passages speak to a spiritual wisdom and a spiritual understanding for the believer. And Paul is praying these prayers. These are his prayers. There's others in, in Thessalonians and Colossians where he's praying for the church. And what he's praying for is something on the inside. He's not praying necessarily for their health. He's not praying necessarily for their, their, their anxiety or their worry uh, you know, or their finances. He's praying for a spiritual wisdom and revelation because he knows that if you'll be, gain spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, then the other things will become a byproduct of living in understanding, living in wisdom. This is, he's writing this to, to the brethren, to the believers, to everybody. He's not talking to elders. He's not talking to ministers. Uh, he's not talking to ministry leaders. He's talking to believers. Every single one of us should be praying and seeking. Kenneth E. Hagin, uh, he pastored for, for 12 years, and then uh, he started exercising where he would read both of these passages every single day. 
every day. And he said, after six months, the word of God just became opened up to him. And he went to his wife and he said, what have I been preaching for the last 12 years? It just opened up his mind. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, Jesus told us himself that the Holy Spirit would remind you of things that I said. Who's Jesus? The word. He'll remind you of the word. And he'll show you things to come. So there's got to be, we, we touched on this last week at the beginning, uh, just kind of taking a, a side note, but really it, it's connected that we have to have a reliance and a dependence on the Holy Spirit, not just a tolerance. It's not Jesus' little brother. It's not the tag along that, you know, comes to church because Jesus comes to church. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Godhead. And he wants to speak to you and reveal his word to you and show you things that are beyond what the surface gets. There, are, there is an us and there is a them. And to be an us, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. There's got to be a seeking. There's got to be a pressing. There's got to be uh, uh, a, 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 a taking root in the word of God and becoming founded on it. Not shaky. Bible tells us that a double-minded man, he's unstable in all his ways. So that tells me I need to be secure in what I know the word can do. I was having a conversation with an individual after church last week. And he was talking about uh, his son and, and his son getting ready to go into high school. And then, you know, we were talking about that statistic that, you know, when they graduate high school, how many leave the church or don't, don't continue in church? I mean, the statistic's over 80%. It's way up there of high school students that grew up in church, but then they get out in the real world. They get out in colleges, secular colleges that actually come against, for the first time, they receive opposition to the word and they don't know how to stand. And so, you know, he was making the statement, he's, you know, I, I want to be able to arm him, you know, with things uh, so he'll know why he believes what he believes. And obviously, we want to know why we believe what we believe. Obviously. Want to be able to have, be able to form uh, uh, a conclusion and for, for, you know, form a, a, a belief system that we are solid in. But, but here's the thing. I can't find that in the Bible. I can't find where Jesus ever instructed someone to know why you believe what you believe. In the position where you need to be able to explain it so that other people can buy into what you believe. But what he does do is he tells us to demonstrate. I tell you right now, you lay hands on someone and they receive healing, you won't have to explain nothing. <laughs> that is your explanation. The demonstration is, the Bible tells us that the kingdom is not just in word, but in power. And sometimes I think that we try to get a position and build uh, our belief system into a level where we can explain it but I can tell you right now, you can explain it until you're blue in the face and until they have the Holy Spirit open. You know that you don't even receive Jesus as your Lord without help of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that it's the Holy Spirit that leads all men to repentance. I mean, you don't even want Jesus without the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you need this. 
So why is it that the Holy Spirit that gets us saved and gets us born again and gets us established in our faith can't help us go deeper in the things of God? He absolutely can. And I'm not saying you don't need to have, uh, you know, be able to explain the word and know the word. What I'm saying is, is your explanation will not be enough. I didn't come into the kingdom because somebody explained it to me. I came into the kingdom because I was around it at a young age. But when I got to a position, I could make a formidable opinion. I saw the demonstration in people's lives. I saw love coming out of people and I saw faith coming out of people. I saw that there was a demonstration and we need to be believers that demonstrate. Do not resort this word to an explanation. They're watching you and they're gonna watch your actions way longer than they're hearing your words. And anything you say will be overridden by everything you do. So your actions will either confirm or deny that you really believe what you say you believe. It's in lifestyle. I've tried to explain the word to people that can't grasp it. And you just hit a wall. Just hit a wall. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit. I don't draw people to repentance. That's not my job. I'm not the guide. Don't try to do the job of the Holy Spirit. You are there to bring the word. You are there to support it. You are there to, to, to proclaim it. But you leave the power of the word to the Holy Spirit. So we've got to have something deeper. I'm not talking about being over spiritual. I'm not talking about walking around with your head. I'm talking about living a life governed by the word and a life that honors and values the word of God and a life that demonstrates the word of God. The Holy Spirit, God is trying to take us deeper into his word. And there's more that he wants to show you, but it does not come to casual hearers. That's why I try to encourage you, you know, as much as you can, take notes and, and, and put yourself in a posture to receive. Don't, don't sit back, lean in. Lean in. That we're, we're, we're not here that long. You know, I've heard uh, preachers, uh, you know, diminish their, the length of their services or the length of their preaching specifically to the statistics of how long they think people can receive. Number one, who's coming up with these statistics? And number two, have they ever seen someone go to a movie? I'm serious. I have sat through movies about to pee my pants because there's no way I'm getting up in the middle of this scene and missing what's coming next. If, if, it's, if it's engaging and if it's something that is worth hearing and worth receiving, you won't have to look at the clock. There's been times where I've, I've tried to wrap up and people have told me to go on. And if I don't get it here, I'll just go back to Africa or Nicaragua and they'll let me preach as long as I want. <laughs> They will let me go all night. Paul went all night, had a, had a young boy, fell out of the window, died. That's great. That's what we need. And he didn't try to explain healing to anybody. He went down there, he healed that boy and said, all right, we're not done. I'm not done yet. It's the, it's the word. When, when you value it, you can't get enough of it. 
When you honor it, you, you want to keep digging and keep going further. And I, I feel like sometimes we get frustrated in our search and frustrated in how much we dig and frustrated in our learning because we're not relying on the Holy Spirit. We're trying to do it on our own ability. We're trying to do it with our own mental capacity. And the Bible says that the word is not naturally discerned. It's spiritually revealed. The word is not naturally discerned. It is spiritually revealed. So if I come into someone that, you know, is in disagreement or argumentative, I, I can state a case, but, but it is not my job to prove and, and, and to create this, this, you know, lawyer type mentality, you know, take the end of the, take it into, you could be like Elijah and say, well, I'll show you whose God is real. Let's go, let's see who's going to light this altar on fire. That's the kind of stuff that, that believers can live by. You know what? You don't have to believe anything I say. But when you see it with your own eyes, you won't be able to deny it. We're, we're living in a world of diminished miracles and diminished signs and wonders. We're living in a world where we don't fully expect those things to happen. And, and it might be because we've got let down. It might be because uh, it didn't work. It might be because, uh, you know, it's weird in today's culture. I don't know what it is. But for whatever reason, we have drawn away from the miracles and the signs and wonders, especially in our country especially right here in America, because you can go overseas and you can see and hear those reports all the time. They're being touched. Legs are growing out. There are people being raised from the dead halfway around this world. And we struggle getting the flu off. This flu season. And it's half the time it's our confession. Oh, it's the flu season. Where's my Tamiflu? Give me my NyQuil, give me my DayQuil, give me my vitamin C. Why don't we get vitamin word of God? Why don't we fill up on this, start amping ourselves up on it? It works. He's a healer. He doesn't want us sick because when we're sick, we can't perform in the function that God created. You're laid up in the bed, sniffling, got tissues everywhere. Nobody wants to talk to you or be around that. We got work to do. I don't have time to be sick. I don't have time for my body to go under. I don't have time for my body to not function according to the word of God. And so he sent his word. He healed me. I am going to use and apply the word of God until it works. He's the healer. I'm not the healer. It's the word of God. And I speak it. I don't care if I'm throwing up. I don't care if I'm sneezing. I don't care if I have a headache. I don't care if I can't even turn the lights on because I got a migraine. I'm going to continue to speak the word in the midst of the storm, and I will come out on the other side. And that's just sickness. I'm talking the word works for our finances. The word works in our relationships. The word works in our, our mental capacities. The word works in every facet of our lives. But I see too many believers living below the standard of the word of God. I'll preach a sermon on fear and overcoming anxiety, and I'll, I'll walk out and have someone, you know, give me a negative report. It's because we don't, we're, 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 we are a them, not an us. I want to be on, on this side of the line. I want to be on the side where Jesus is. I want to say, Jesus I may not know it today, but I want to know. I want to grow. I want to go deeper. I'm not going to deny what your word says because of my experience. I'm not going to dumb down my expectation to my experience. I'm going to raise my expectation to your word. 
I want to raise my expectation. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.